Today, I would like to teach the last sermon of the series called "The Way to Victory." The Holy Spirit impressed with me that I should encourage our brothers and sisters to listen to this few series in the internet, or you can get the MP3 or CD from our CD table. The series that I would like to encourage you to listen this whole year, beside the Sunday service. Number one. Spirit-led living. In our Christian life, there are three things we walk every day. According to three things: number one, we walk in love; number two, we walk by faith; number three, we walk by the leading of the Holy Spirit. So many times, people get into trouble because they are not led by the Spirit of God, and they blame God. They blame other people. If you are led by the Spirit of God all the time, you will never make even one mistake in your life because He knows everything. So that series is very important. You should go back and listen to the whole thing—about twenty-something sermon. Because I went slowly, how to be led by the Holy Spirit. The second series I want to encourage you is this one: the way to victory. How we gonna get out of calamity and Uh, destruction and judgment that can come to human being, the way to victory. Number three, I would like to encourage you to listen to the series called Great Grace. We are walking by depending on the grace of God, so we need to understand the topic grace very well. I taught that a few years ago, and very important to understand how to walk by grace. The last one, number four, is the series called "The Fire of God." This subject is not something you can find easily in the internet because not a lot of preacher know about the fire of God. So, this four series, I want to encourage all the new members and even old members who have been here for a long time to go back there, listen carefully in each sermon. Today, I would like to. Talk again about the way to victory. Let me read Second Peter chapter three verse nine again. The Lord is not slack. Please put the seatbelt on. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Repentance is the alternative to destruction or judgment. God never want to see anybody to be destroyed, to be damaged, or to be judged. He wants everybody to be blessed and do well. But in order to stay away or get out from destruction, the key is repentance. And the repentance also is the way back to a wonderful relationship with God, so that the protection of God and the blessing of God can flow back into our life again. I taught last Sunday half of the sermon. Today I will teach the other half of the sermon. The title or the topic of this sermon called "Examine Yourself." Examine yourself or judge yourself. First Corinthians chapter eleven, verses twenty-seven on. Therefore, whoever eats this bread 
or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and not let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. In other words, Christians who don't care much about the church and do wrong thing in the church, abuse people in the church, can face the judgment from God. For this reason, many, many are weak, they face judgment, and sick among you, and many sleep, or many died. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. I want to talk about examining ourselves, not judging others. So we need to judge ourselves or examine ourselves every day in order to repent. But before I go on, let me read Matthew 7, 1 to 5. The human nature is to look at other people and judge people. Oh, you don't dress good. You don't preach good. Pastor Lao, you have an accent. You cannot speak English well like me. Judge, 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 judge. But the Bible says in Matthew 7, 1 to 5, Judge not that you may not, you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck of in your brother's eye? But do not consider the plank in your own eyes. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eyes. So when we talk about judge, I'm not talking about judging others. I'm talking about judging yourself. Everyone say, judging myself. Examining myself. This is the way I live. I examine myself every day. Sometimes the whole day. When I see something wrong in my heart, I repent right away. Today, I would like to talk about this subject by giving you two stories in the Bible. The first story comes from the book of Jonah. Jonah is an amazing story that teaches us about repentance. Let me first read Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 to 2. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry now against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. You can hide your sin from people, but you cannot hide your sin from God. It will go up to him and he will know. Is judgment impending for the people in Nineveh? Yes. They are wicked people. They're going to face the judgment of God and the destruction very soon. Is it God's will for them to be judged? Is it God's will for them to be destroyed? No. Second Peter 3 and I say, God is not willing even one person to be destroyed or to perish. 
but that all will come to repentance. If they judge themselves, they will not be judged. Continue to look at verse 3 to 17. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He thought that he can run away from the presence of God. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea. And there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea, to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, and laid down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. We may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots. And the Lord fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Please tell us, for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? And where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? So he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord and the God of heaven, who made the seas and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you, for I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to return to the land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh to preach the message of God's forgiveness. But Jonah took another direction. He tried to run away from the Lord. He got on the boat and he said, hey, I'm going to go away as far as I can. Comparing to today, he got on a jet. He got on a special airplane My brother and sister, you can take the fastest airplane 
to the father's point of the world in a very faraway island and sit behind a palm tree and over there the Lord going to speak to you what are you doing here and you may say I try to run away from you there is no way you can run away from God no matter where you are in this planet earth the Lord can follow you there a big storm came up and the boat was going to break down All the mariners were very afraid of being destroyed by this wind and storm. But Jonah was sleeping in the bottom of the boat. He knew that he was the cause of the problem. The captain came down to him and said, "Hey, wake up! We pray to our God. You pray to your God too." And they cast lots and find out that he was the problem man. He said to them, "Pick me up, throw me into the sea, and everything gonna stop." But these men on the boat were quite good men. They did not throw him. Wow, I'm very impressed with them. They did not throw him into the sea right away. They tried to avoid killing this man, but eventually they could not because the wind became stronger. So they decided to pick him up, throw him into the sea. But by the grace of God, God sent a big fish. I don't know how big is that. Jonah might not be a small man; must be very big fish, special fish, and swallow him in. The reason he has to send the big fish because he want to save Jonah and waited for him to repent. Jonah survived in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Seaweed wrapped around his head. It was smelling. It stinks inside the tummy of the fish. But after three days and three nights, Jonah repented, and Jonah say, "I'm sorry, Lord. If you give me one more chance, I'm gonna fulfill my assignment." Then the Lord make that fish throw up. And get Jonah into the seashore, and then Jonah was able to walk to Nineveh, throw up at the right place too. Amazing, I like that. God is so great. Jonah chapter three verse four, and Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey, and he cried, he shouted, he cried, and said, "Yet forty days, everyone say forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown." Jonah was quoting what the Lord told him: "In forty days, the city would be destroyed." Nineveh was like a city of Tampa; it's a big city. And God said, "I'm gonna wipe out this city in forty days. It was gonna be no more on this planet Earth." Wow, it was scary. Look at verse five. So the people of Nineveh believed God. Thank God, they believe God. Proclaim a fast and put on sackcloth. This is a outward action of repentance from the greatest to the least. The people in Nineveh repented and believe in God. They believe in the message from this prophet. They did something marvelous, unlike many church-going Christians today. 
that don't care about the message of God. The whole city repented, put the, on the sackcloth, fasted, and sought the Lord's forgiveness. Look at the king too. Jonah chapter 3 verses 6 to 7. The word came to the king of Nineveh. I want to talk to all the husbands in this room. I want to talk to the pastor and leaders. You know, repentance starts from you. The leader of the house. The father of any house. The pastor needs to repent. This king, the leader, and he rose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, even dogs. I just add on it because we, people love dogs. Taste anything. You don't have any exception. Dog cannot eat either. Do not let them eat or drink water. The king repented and asked God to forgive him and the whole city. He judged himself. He examined himself. He humbled himself and repented. He called for a fast. He put on the sackcloth. And what happened after that? Verse 8. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hand. Turning from our evil ways, turning away from our rebellion, our pride and arrogance, is literally repentance. The same meaning. Repentance is the change of the heart. To agree with God, I am wrong, you are right. Repentance means that not only the change of the heart, but the change of the mind, the change of the lifestyle, the change of the way we talk, the change in everything. Turn away from our old way and turn to God and bless God and serve God and do the things of God. That is repentance. The whole city of Nineveh repented and changed from the greatest to the least. And what happened? Verses 9 to 10. God is so good. Who can tell if God will turn and re-rent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Again, the word perish comes second time now. Then God saw their works. True repentance must be shown in your work, in your action. The fruit of repentance is your change action. That they turned from their evil way and God re-rented from the disaster that he has said he would bring upon them and he did not do it. God has said that he would destroy Nineveh in less than two months, 40 days. But what he said at that time was according to what was going on before they repented. This is the good news. God's judgment is not set in stone. 
Let me repeat one more time. God's judgment is not set in stone. And this truth can happen to you and me. We may be facing an impending judgment because we have been stubborn and rebellious against God. We push God out from our life. We run our own life. And one day, you remember Jesus say in the book of Luke chapter 13, unless you repent, you shall perish likewise. Everybody need to repent, not just only me, not only sinners outside the church, even Christians need to repent. Thank God that no matter how evil people have been, no matter how long they have been doing bad things, there is a way out from destruction. That way out is so easy and simple. That is to repent ASAP. Judge yourself and repent. There is a way out from destruction, devastation, and judgment. And there is a way back into a close fellowship with God. I believe that this series of sermons is so important for you and me. You need to listen again and again to be reminded that we need to repent. I give a lot of story in all these sermons. I think altogether 20 sermons already. Thank God. By His grace, He is a gracious God. He is a merciful and forgiving God. When we repent of our sin, we can come out from calamity, from destruction, from death, from suffering. And we can come out because God did His part already. In our Christian walk, there are two parts. Our part and His part. His part has been done. Jesus shed his blood on the cross to give you grace and forgiveness. Jesus died on the cross to take away your sin. And even now, the Bible says Jesus is making intercession for us at the right hand of the Father. If you are sinning right now, I tell you, Jesus is praying for you right now in heaven that you will open your spiritual eyes and stop doing bad things. The king repented. The people in Nineveh repented. Repentance should happen in the whole house, in the whole church, in the whole nation. And because of his grace, the destruction and judgment will be withdrawn and will not happen. We can receive his wonderful grace by judging ourselves, examining ourselves, and we repent of our sin. We need to repent of our rebellion. Amen? Amen. So God is so merciful. After they repented, God can do what he wanted to do all along. What did God want to do all along? Forgiveness, no judgment, no destruction. God never want to see anyone destroyed, anyone judged at all. All along, he wants to forgive. He wants to take away judgment. Why people get judged? Why people face judgment? Because the protection of God is lifted when they sin against God. Or they push God away from their life. They run their own life. They do their own thing so God cannot do anything for them. By the justice of God, when you do wrong, you face justice. You face judgment. Like if you drive on the freeway more than 70 miles per hour, if the police 
get you, you're going to get a ticket. That is judgment. That is justice. Amen? What happened after God pulled off the judgment upon Nineveh? Jonah was very furious. He was not very happy. Chapter 4, verses 1 to 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God. Slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness. One who relents from doing harm. He described the character of our God. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me. I want to die now. For it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? Jonah said, I know God. I know when I was in my country. That the people in Nineveh going to repent. And what I preach, 40 days you're going to be destroyed, would not happen. And I'm going to look like a false prophet. I lose my face. I look embarrassed because what I say did not happen. Jonah cared about his face, about his reputation more than the life of the family, the kids, the dogs, and the cats. And all this, Chloe and Alex and all these dogs, he cared about his own face. Chloe is the dog of my daughter. He cared about his face, his reputation more than the life of the people. Jonas was so full of pride. You know, when I read this story, it's interesting. God used imperfect people to preach the gospel. I'm glad God used me too because I'm, I'm not perfect. Sometimes I have a bad attitude too that I need to repent. So God still used imperfect people. And Jonah was one of them that he was so full of pride. He knew that God going to pull off his judgment and he's going to look bad. Because what he said, 40 days of destruction, that destruction going to happen in 40 days would not happen. In that generation, people did not understand about the law of love. They only think about God's judgment. God going to punish you. Jonah chapter 4, verses 5 to 11, continue to say, So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. He went out there to look at the city. When the fire is going to come down and kill these people, the family, and kill all these dogs. There, he, <laughs> I want you to see the picture. There, he made himself a shelter and sat under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. He waited to see the judgment of God. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as morning dawned, the next day God prepared a worm <laughs> and it so damaged the plant that it withered. Now it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, 
It is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? He was angry about that plant that came up in 24 hours and disappeared in about 48 hours altogether. God made that plant come up so quickly to cover his head so that he could not get burned by the sunshine. And then the next 24 hours, the plant disappeared by the worm so quickly. He said, it is right for me to be angry even to death. But the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labor, nor make it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nidaway? Should I pity members of New Hope International Church? Should I pity them and their dogs? That great city in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left. And much livestock. Jonah was sitting there. God put the plant over him, over his head, to give him shade. But the next day, the plant was destroyed by the worm. And Jonah was so upset. You see, Jonah cared about the plant more than the people, 120,000 people in Nineveh. God caused that plant to come up, and God pulled it down. My brothers and sisters, we should not be upset if people repent and turn away from their sin, and God bless them again. We should rejoice to see people repent, to see people turn around out of Destruction, suffering, and calamity. We should be happy. Because what is the will of God? The perfect will of God for people is that no one will be judged and destroyed by anything. Including storm, natural calamity, or disaster, wars, and economic turn around or upheaval. It has never been the perfect will of God that anyone will suffer, be destroyed, and be stolen from. Therefore, the question is, listen carefully, I repeat one more time. The question for Christians should not be, should not be, why did God did this to me? No. Or another question that we should not ask, why did God let it happen to me? It sounds like, with these two questions, it sounds like God is a destroyer. No, no, no. The right question should be, why could not he protect me? Why could not he spare me from this calamity? And the reason that he could not spare and protect us is that we are stubborn. We keep on going the wrong direction. God tried to warn us and we say, I don't care. I'm going to keep going this way. I'm not going to repent. Then God say, okay, you run your own life. I cannot help you. And when you enter into calamity and destruction, you cannot blame God. Why can't God help somebody? 
because they repent. Why cannot God help somebody? Because they don't judge themselves and they don't repent. Luke chapter 15 verse 7, I say to you that likewise there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 just person who need no repentance. Verse 10, likewise I say to you there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Repentance is a big deal in the perspective of heaven. Even angels just sing and dance and happy when one person repents. Why? Because through repentance, the course of your life will be turned around, will be radically changed. Instead of going into the destruction, damage, divorce, sickness, cancer, death, and poverty. With repentance, you turn around Radically, and go toward the blessing, prosperity, divine health, and fruitfulness. With repentance, instead of death, you will live. With repentance, instead of grieving and having pain, you will rejoice. With repentance, instead of failure or losing money, you will be blessed. You will be fruitful and successful. With repentance, not only that you are blessed on this earth, but heaven will rejoice and the angels will dance and celebrate. Let me ask you this question. If your child walk away from you and has done some bad things, and one day he comes to his sense and come back home and say, I'm sorry, will you rejoice? Will you be glad when your son repents or your child repents? Definitely. But not only that you rejoice, heaven rejoice as well. Amen? Let's look at the second story. I have one more story. Luke chapter 15, verses 11 to 12. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now. Before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his son. This story is about a prodigal son. The prodigal son came to his father. The prodigal son is symbolic of Christians who run away from God, who just stubborn and do their own things. But the father in this story is symbolic. It's a picture of the heavenly father. The son came and said, hey, I want my share, my inheritance. Let me ask this question. Did the father have to give the inheritance to him? Did he have to? No. He did not have to give. But the story is interesting. He did. He divided the share. And he gave the inheritance to him. Okay, money here. I'm not dead yet, but you can get it. What does it mean in this story for us? It means this way. You and I, children of God, we can come to the throne of grace, approach him by faith, and ask for inheritance now on earth. We don't have to wait until we go to heaven. Today, I can ask God for healing. It's my inheritance. I can ask God for 
good salary, good job. Ask God for happy life, happy wife, happy wife. No, I have to turn around. Happy wife, happy life. I can ask for success, good protection. I can ask for good memory, divine health. These are all my inheritance that God prepared for me through Jesus Christ. Can we ask for inheritance now on earth? Yes or no? Yes, we can ask. But the difference is that we don't run away from God, though. We stay in the house of God. This son asked for inheritance, but the dad divided the inheritance and gave his part to him. And the son ran away. Ran away. Verse 13. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wide living. This younger son pushed the father out, ran away from the father. I'm going to run my own life. I don't want you to tell me what to do anymore. I have my own way. I have money now. You give me inheritance. I'm going to spend it. I'm going to go gambling and drinking, smoking, pornography, prostitute. I'm going to enjoy my life now. I'm going to run away from you as far as I can. He has a lot of friends too, party friends. All these party friends will roll the red carpet for him to come into the house. Because every time he come in, he has a lot of money and they love it. Why he had a lot of money? All these party friends love him so much. That's what happened. But what happened after that? In verse 14, about the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. Now he was facing big trouble. All the money was gone. He had to take off his watch, sold it. He had to take off his jacket, and he sold it. Take off his shoes, sold it. He was running out of his money, and famine came into the land. He got into big trouble at that time because he ran away from his father. Is this the will of his father? That he would get into trouble? Is it his will? No. Is this the plan of the father that he was starving and no money to spend? No. But what happened to him came from his own choice. That's why I like the Bible say in the book of Deuteronomy, choose now. Choose life or death. Choose the blessing or the cursing. We need to choose every day. We're going to choose life or choose death. I hope you choose life. Amen? Amen? I don't have to do brain transplant because you choose life. You have good brain to consider life, not death. Luke 15, verse 15. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his field to feed the pigs. Wow, for a Jewish man. To feed a pig is the lowest kind of job you can do. He was in a, such a bad condition. He was at the bottom of his life. 
He did not have food to eat. He had to look for the food in the pig pots, and that smelling stink and dirty. He had to eat dirty food, pig food, nothing left. Verse 16, the young man became so hungry that even the pots he was feeding the pigs looked good to him. No steak, no or even Pad Thai. But no one gave him anything. Where were all these party friends? Where were they? They're all gone. Because he has no money now. All the party friends who used to hug him, kiss him, and hey, 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 they're all gone. After he lost all his money. Verse 17. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, everyone say, come to my senses. This guy have to go to the bottom of his life. I hope that that will not happen to you. That you have to lie in the sick bed one step to death before you repent. I don't want to go that direction. I want to live a blessed life until I die. I don't want to get into the sick bed or almost die or lose everything before I repent. I don't want to be like this guy. I want to continue to follow God. Wow, very bad shape here. At home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. Wow. He eventually come to the point that he judge himself. I am wrong. I ran away from my father. I live a wicked way. I am in trouble. I have sinned against God and I have sinned against my father. Even the servant of my daddy have good food to eat and they're happy. Have good bed to sleep in but I have to sleep in the pig pen. Verses 18 to 19, I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. This man really, really repented. It will be a different story. Listen carefully. I try to give you some thought here. If this man show up in the house and say, Daddy, you know, all these years, I never be able to see you eyes to eye. You never love me. I don't like what you say. All this time, everything you say bother me. I could not stand you anymore. That's why I have to run away from you. But now I'm hungry. I come back. Please take me in, okay? And feed me. That is not repentance. This man really repented. Repentance is not a slight change of mind. Listen carefully. It's a real change of the heart. I am sorry. I have done wrong. I change my heart. I change my mind. I change my words. And I change my lifestyle. I am wrong. It's not your fault. 
It's not my pastor's fault. It's not the Uncle Sam's fault. It's not anybody's fault. It's not the church's fault. It's my problem. I admit it. That is the real repentance. Don't blame other people. If you say you repent and your life has not changed, you have not repented. You need to change the way you live. Sometimes people can come to the altar and cry for three hours. The reason they cry not because they repent, but because they get caught. Or because they feel embarrassed. And they say, wow, I feel bad right now. People know what I have been doing. They cry, but they never repent. Repent is a change of the heart, of the action. Verses 20 to 21, why are you so quiet today? I don't see a, hear amen at all. Very, very good sermon, huh? A good sermon. So, so he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming, filled with love and compassion. Wow, our daddy in heaven, filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him, kissed him. And his son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Repentance. Pastor Lau and Pastor Dala Haprasit would like to welcome you to the following message from New Hope International Church in Seattle, Washington. Here is Pastor Lau's anointed teaching that will change your life with love, hope, and peace in Jesus Christ. And now, Pastor Lau. I'm so thirsty. Means no blaming other people. When you repent, don't blame other people. You take full responsibility. He said, I have sinned against you and against God. I take full responsibility and I will not give any excuse at all. When we still blame people, and sometimes people think they repent, but what they do? They start to give reasons why this happened to me. Excuses. Oh, because my dad did not do good things to me. It's my dad's fault. When that happened, you don't truly repent. When you truly repent, I'm speaking the truth right now. You call sin, sin. You don't call sin, oh yeah, I just messed up a little bit. No. You don't hear the word sin in the church today that much, but I'm going to call sin. I'm not going to try to please everyone in this room. I'm not here for money. I'm here to teach the truth. I'm not here that you can like me. No, you don't have to like me. I tell you the truth. Sin is sin. I have sinned against God and sinned against my wife, against my husband, against my father. Sin is sin. No apology by giving reason, excuses, and blame other people. No, 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 no. You say, I'm wrong. I admit that I am wrong. I did it. I'm fully responsible for it. God, forgive me. I'm sorry. I have done wrong. Notice one thing. The father did not go after the son at all. The father stayed home. Who came to the father? 
the prodigal son. So, this is what happened. God cannot force you to repent. If this father went out and snatched him and forced him to come back home, in a few days, he would run out again. God cannot force us to repent. We cannot force anybody to repent. If God cannot force you, I cannot force you either. The son has to come back home and say sorry. In the same way, God will never try to force you. You are the one who has to come back to God and say, I am sorry. And then your life starts to change. I cannot make people change their mind. I can teach, I can show example, but people have to change their mind themselves. Amen? Conclusion today. If you judge yourself, if you examine yourself, humble yourself and agree with God that you are wrong in certain issues in your life, you can save yourself from judgment, from destruction, from calamity, from the loss. Examine yourself every single day. Verses 22 to 24. But his father said to the servant, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandal for his feet. And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast. For this son of mine was dead and now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. This is an amazing story. No matter how long you have walked away from God, no matter how evil, how serious your sin is, the moment you repent and come back to God, He will forgive you. And that repentance is the way back to the full, sweet, close, wonderful fellowship with God again. Back to like nothing happen. This father show is like nothing happened. We're going to celebrate. I give you the ring. I give you sandal. I'm so glad you're back home now. The father did not even talk about his past mistake. It's all done deal. He did not dig it out, talk about it. He just said, let's celebrate. And the fellowship with the father returned to normal again. You don't have to look back to the past experience anymore. If you repent of your sin, he is willing to forgive, forget, and move on. But the key is, you need to judge yourself. Examine yourself, repent of your sin as soon as possible. And even you confess your sin, he is just and righteous. He will forgive all of your sin. 1 John 1, 9, the last scripture. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Should we live a repentant life every day? I want to talk specifically to the daddy in this room. I'm a dad. And I'm a pastor too. I take serious about this sermon. You know why? If I am goofy, 
I'm doing something bad. It will affect my wife, and it will affect my children. It's not fair. I hold the privilege to be a dad, a father, and a pastor. I need to shape up myself because I love my wife, my kids, and the members of this church so much. I will not do anything that make God unhappy with me. I will repent as soon as possible. I shape up my life as soon as possible. Because the only thing that I want to see is the protection and the blessing of God upon my kids, my grandkids, my wife, and my church members. I will not open the door for the devil to come into my home at all. It's my responsibility. I hope you love your wife and your children. Enough to say, God, I'm not gonna play a game. I repent of my sin every single day. So many households in America have been damaged because of the men goof off and do bad things. It's so sad. If you are around me, I tell you. I will do everything that that will not happen in my home and in my church here. I'm very serious. I look at sin this way. You may not be a doctor. Have you ever seen bacteria? Have you ever seen virus? Have you ever seen brain cancer? I have seen it in the microscope. When I open somebody's brain and I saw nasty brain cancer, they're gonna kill my patient in six months. Even though I took out some, but the rest, all the cell, the rest still in the brain. We call glioblastoma multiforme. It's the worst brain cancer in the world. Glioblastoma multiforme. The cell will spread all over the brain. Actually, scientifically, if you cut half the brain off, patients still die. If you have brain tumor on the right side and you cut off half. The cell already spread to the other side, and will grow up on the other side. I hate cancer. I hate bacteria. I hate virus, and sin are like cancer. Sin are like bacteria and virus. Don't play with them. Period. You must hate them, and get rid of them asap. Sin. Leads to death and destruction and corruption. Righteousness leads to life and success. I'm very serious about this in this church. As long as I live in this church, there's not going to be anything play game around here. No cheating money, no corruption, nothing like that in this church forever until I leave. And next pastor have to take care. Amen. Should we repent? So this morning I know I'm late already, but I need to obey the Holy Spirit. We're gonna bow our head and pray together to repent. Father, we have sinned either knowingly or ignorantly, Lord. We ask you to forgive us.
We will not say any excuses. We will not blame anybody. We will not give any reason why. We just admit we have sinned against you, Lord. We all in this room may have different kind of sins, but we ask you to forgive us. We are wrong in different ways. Help us, Lord, to walk righteously before you. We need your protection. We don't want destruction. We don't want death and corruption. We want the blessing, Father. If we still discriminate somebody, forgive us. If we still, Lord, have a bad attitudes concerning something, forgive us. Help us to repent, Father. Give us or grant us repentance, Lord. Father, may this message. Go on to the next generation. Our children and grandchildren, and all over the world, will hear this message. The foundation A, B, C of Christianity. Without repentance, Lord, we know we will not see the kingdom of God. Thank you, Lord, for teaching us this sermon. In Jesus' mighty name, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We trust that this message is ministered to you. If you would like more information about New Hope International Church or other teaching CDs, please contact us at 206-275-1042. You may also visit our website online at www.NewHopeInternationalChurch.com. I'm so thirsty.